Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What is going on? It is the Ethos Clippers podcast coming at you here on a Sunday evening. The Los Angeles Clippers have an incredible comeback win yesterday afternoon. Three games to break down, two against Golden State, one against Sacramento, and then we look ahead to a very important rematch against the Denver Nuggets in just a couple of days. Brandon Marcus here, your host, joined by my co-host, Matt, Matt Warren, back on the Ethos Clippers podcast. Matt, how are you, my friend? Sports Ethos, Clipper Nation, Brandon Marcus, how the heck are you? I'm feeling good on this Sunday evening. Um, I would have loved to record in the afternoon as we are wont to do, but it is my wonderful mom's birthday today. So I had a great brunch and uh, I'm feeling good. You know, you know, these last three games were sort of a roller coaster ride. So we may as well jump in. Let's do it. And happy birthday to Mama Matta Warren, um, oh, yeah. who created a fantastic child who has been an awesome addition to the sports ethos family. So like you said, let's get into it. Um, I'm going to preface this by saying I didn't get a chance to watch yesterday's game because I was broadcasting a afternoon Irvine women's basketball game. So this will be mostly your takes uh, from watching the game. I was following along the entire time during every single media break that we had a media timeout. I was checking the score and I was thinking to myself, great, here we go again. Another loss. We're going to have to talk about back-to-back losses. This team has been a disaster. Paul George once again disappearing then all of a sudden i'm following adam oslin's play-by-play and the clippers are getting closer and closer and closer and then they cut it to two and clay goes on a five nothing run to give golden state a seven seven point lead after three and then all of a sudden the clippers get closer and closer and paul george hits a game-winning shot man unbelievable ball game overall what was your take on the game it, it it was absolutely insane. It was incredible. I have to apologize. Uh, just to peel back the curtain, I was incessantly texting you during the game, as I as I like to do during Clippers games. I'm like, thanks, dude. Uh, I'm actually about to announce a game, so could you? I did you know, not say that. That's not how it cut. went down. Oh, that's not how it went down. You started texting me about the game. I was like, yeah, I'm j- I, I got a game. You're like, oh, sorry, I'll leave you alone. And I didn't hear another text from you the rest of the day. <laughs> <laughs> I felt bad, you know. I didn't. I didn't want to distract. But the the fact of the matter is, it was a it was a tale of two halves, and there's a lot of numbers that stand out. Um, specifically, how poorly the Clippers came out in the first quarter. Like we always talk about, they lost 33 to 22. It was almost the same story in the second quarter, and then the second half they turned it on. And I really think, you know, aside from the heavy minutes, and we'll talk about that because if you want to talk, call them the big three, whatever you want to refer to, Paul George, Kawhi. And Harden as the minutes have been massive, but you're starting to see you're starting to see a little bit of the usage rate uh, sort of come into picture. You know, where, whereas it had been heavily, really, 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 really heavily Paul George, or really, really heavily Kawhi Leonard and 
and James Harden been left out of that a little bit, but you look at the usage rate um, on on last in yesterday's game, Harden's 22, Kawhi Leonard is 22, 22.1 for both of them, the exact same actually, and and Paul George is 23.8. So it's it's a little bit more even, and I don't know if that's exactly what what we're hoping for, but it seemed to work because in that second quarter, uh, Paul George got it going. Like you said, he was terrible to begin with. Kawhi Leonard, another uh, another uh, vintage game, and I thought I thought Harden was really good. Uh, another aggressive game, you know. You look at the shot count: seventeen shots for Paul George, sixteen for Kawhi Leonard, fourteen for James Harden, and the only other person, well, two other people were in double digits: Tice with eleven, Powell with twelve. But that sort of delineation of of the responsibility and the usage and Westbrook, you know, he in that game only played 19 minutes. He had five shots, was a minus 11, so he didn't really do all that much. You start to see this big three take form, or at least you think. And yes, it was only a one-point win. The, the the game before against the Warriors that we'll talk about was incredibly disappointing uh, to to lose that one. Although there was, it, it was a little bit closer than you may have thought. So my big takeaway is that this quote-unquote big three are playing a huge amount of minutes, but the responsibilities are sort of, I don't want to say evening out, but you're starting to see these three kind of take over, and they're the three guys you're probably going to, we're probably going to want to count on moving forward. So that was very interesting, interesting for me to see. Yeah, and here's the thing. This Clippers team is only going to succeed when their best players do well. And it's really simple. Like we can obviously talk about the role players, guys like Powell, guys like Mann and Zoo. But if PG and Kawhi and Harden aren't performing, the Clippers are going to lose. And you saw that as I was following the game. I mean, Paul George was having a bad game. And we've seen that usually you need at least two of the three to have good games for you to survive and win a ball game. And that's usually against mediocre teams. But listen, when Draymond Green comes out and he hits four threes in the first quarter and you look at the end of the end of the game box score, he has 21, Moody has 21, 17 for Clay, um, and then Curry had 22 as well. Like, you're going to need other guys to step up. And in this case, Powell and Tice and Zoo did. I mean, Zoo was great in the first half and the Clippers kind of went away from him um, in the second half. I mean, he only played 22 minutes, which is honestly stunning considering that he had done so well. I mean, he was six for six. He was a plus one. So it's not like he, the Clippers were outscored in his minutes. He had three blocks. But it just seems like Ty Lue doesn't trust him when the Clippers are behind in games. And so in this case, you saw some super small lineups. And I think the biggest takeaway, lineup-wise, is that Terrence Mann was benched for Norm Powell to start the second half. And PG even said post game that Terrence Mann is in his head right now from three, whereas Powell is really confident and he'll let it fly. And there has been talk that, I mean, you and I discussed this, should Mann be the fifth guy in the starting lineup? And Justin Russo floated the idea, maybe it's Powell, because Powell seems to spread the floor well, and perhaps he could be a good fit. And it turns out that the Norm Powell lineup alongside Harden, PG, Kawhi, and Zoo is a plus 16 in 25 minutes, but more importantly, according to Justin, they've seen 43 of their 53 field goal attempts. So 43 of 53, that is a large majority that have come either at the rim, that's great, 
or has three pointers. Also very good. That's 81%. So that lineup seems to be something that works. And we thought Terrence Mann might be the guy to unlock the other three dudes plus Zoo. But Norm Powell being able to spread the floor is great. And you mentioned the heavy minutes. And the thing is with this team is that the starters, we have seen numerous different lineups, Matt, numerous different lineups that have not fared well, that have not included the three guys that are the three studs. And so you're going to need to play them big minutes. And let's also keep in mind that the Clippers have a couple days off between that Saturday game to Wednesday. So if there was going to be a game, you're going to ride them big minutes. This was certainly it. And the guys performed. I mean, when you see PG go 8 of 17, 25 points. Harden 7 of 14, 21 points, 9 assists. Kawhi 9 of 16, 20 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists. And here's the thing. All three of those guys shot 50% or better. If that happens, you're going to win ball games most of the time. And for the Clippers, they got unlucky in that first half because Golden State was hitting everything. And they kept riding their big boys. And that's what they're going to have to do this season. And it worked. And the Clippers got the win. So major credit to them. It's a really important win that hopefully is the turning point for this season. But at the same time, this team has been so up and down. It wouldn't surprise me if they go and get blasted by Denver. And this this game means absolutely nothing. But either way, I think they've now gone 6-3 and three in their last nine, which means that they're certainly pointing in the right direction. And I agree. And I, I have to say they got unlucky in that first half. But Golden State was playing some incredible defense as yeah. well. I mean, they were everywhere. I know you didn't get a chance to watch, but, I mean, they were just packing the paint. They were closing out. They were switching. It it looked like Golden State Warriors championship-level defense in that first half. Like, they were really, really frustrating the Clippers. I mean, in anything that they tried to do. And conversely, the Clippers looked a little lost on defense. So I tweeted something to the effect of, I'm jealous of the uh, – mm-hmm of the Warriors defense right now. I wish, I wish we could, we could look like that because it, they played amazing defense in both of those first two quarters and the Clippers did not. And that's, that's, that's to take nothing away from what Golden State did on offense. And that's to take nothing away what the Clippers can be on defense, but it was a stark difference. And it looked like, you know, in that first half, it was like, boy, this is going to be (laughs) what the rest of this game is going to look like. You know, I I may just drive down to where Brandon is broadcasting and watch that game instead because it'll, most likely be more interesting. Yeah, I mean, listen, this team was down by 22, and Golden State was on fire from three. I mean, you look at what they did. They went 12 of 23, or 12 of 22 on threes in the first half. Um, But they only had three makes in the third quarter. So when a team gets that nuclear, it doesn't matter what you do, but if a team's that good, you're you're not going to win games. But finally, Golden State kind of regressed to the mean a little bit, And so they had, obviously, 12 threes in that first half. And then in the second half, I mean, you look at their totals, and they finished with 17 threes. So they had five threes uh, in the second half. And that's obviously a huge calling card for them. Whereas the Clippers had five threes in the first half, and they finished with eight in the second half. They finished 13 of 39. Um, Golden State was 17 of 43. And so you got to give credit to the Clippers, where they were able to stop Golden State from going crazy from the uh, behind the three-point line. Also, Golden State kind of regressed the mean. But I think the biggest takeaway for me is that they're down by 22, and they don't give up. I mean, there are so many times where a team like this can see a huge deficit and just kind of phone it in. I mean, we've seen that. 
You remember the game where they played, I think it was against Denver on the second night of a back-to-back where they just mm-hmm. went behind big and then they just phoned it in last year. And that was, I remember that. Yeah, that was, that was a terrible, I remember that. It was awful. And I think PG was hurt that game. He didn't play the second half and the starters didn't play the second half. I mean, Ty just pulled them. He said, forget it. Enough is enough. And that certainly could have happened again, but this team understands that they're going to go through these peaks and valleys with this lineup. And listen, so does Ty. Ty used, I think eight different lineups in the first half. If I read that correctly, that's a Mm -hmm. lot of different lineups to use, which means that he's still figuring out what works which is a little bit of a concern considering it seems like we know what works and it's the four starters plus Powell, or the four starters plus man or any lineup that doesn't feature uh, Westbrook and Harden together. But Westbrook and Harden continue to play bigger minutes together because Harden needs to play because you need to protect the locker room and you need to protect the ego that is Russell Westbrook so he doesn't blow things up. But listen, Westbrook has gone from playing a ton of minutes previously. I mean, he was playing 25, 30 minutes to now playing under 20 and it's he seemed to be okay with it and he's doing okay in his role so the biggest thing for me from yesterday was that the team didn't give up and perhaps perhaps it's a sign of things to come i hope hopefully it's a good sign of things to come can i and i know it's my mom's birthday it's the holiday season can i be a little bit of a negative nancy and a overarching picture here if that's okay yeah please do so i floated this out um of course, over Twitter X to our friend Law Murray, and he responded. He said, the records are what they are. Take that what you will. I was just curious, and watching these last two games against the Warriors and the Clippers, you know, as exciting as they were, I was just wondering, are we just watching two teams that are very mid? We're watching a 9-11 and currently Warriors team and a 9-10 and Clippers team go at each other. I was, I, I got a little in my feelings and a little bummed out about, do either other team's fan bases really have much to hope for this season. It was, it was, it was a, a passing moment, I know, but just kind of, you know, as much as the Clippers may battle back, as much as the Warriors, you know, like I said, played amazing defense and, and Steph is, Steph is still Steph is just, it, I was a little concerned about the level of gameplay and just sort of when, when the other big boys of the, uh, of the conference and of the, uh, of the league, as a whole, step up against the Clippers. Can we hang? Can the Warriors even hang anymore? So a, a little something that was in my mind over these last couple of games. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. And it's interesting because these two teams, while similar, are also really different. I mean, you add in Harden and you're trying to figure things out. Whereas Golden State's missing Chris Paul. They're an aging team. Clay is in his last year before he uh, possibly hits free agency. Um, Draymond Green is getting older. Steph's getting older. I mean, the Clippers are obviously getting older as well. So in that regard, two older teams, certainly you can say that they're mediocre teams that just don't have the youth of a guy like Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter, compared to the New Orleans team that gives Clippers a hard time with Zion. And C.J. McCollum and, I mean, Herbert Jones, the list goes on and on. Um, they just got Trey Murphy back. I mean, there are some certainly some teams that have excitement. But with the Clippers, I think that this is a veteran team that actually has the ability to get it together. And we've seen that with James Harden when he's aggressive. I mean, he was aggressive in that third quarter, and it worked. And it got the Clippers back into the game. 
And that's the guy the Clippers traded for. And you pair that with two guys that we've seen thrive in PG and Kawhi at different times. I mean, Kawhi needs to be the best player on that team. And Paul George is lethal from three. You combine all three of those guys together and make it work. And you have a fantastic song that has great melody. But if you have guys who are off key, then all of a sudden it sounds terrible. So you've got to get them together. And that's that's what the missing part is, trying to figure out who works around them. And in this case, you see Norm Powell get that start in the second half. I'll be curious to see what happens in that game against Denver if Terrence Mann continues to start. Uh, maybe Mann is better off coming off, off the, coming off the bench and providing that jolt of energy. But at the same time, you need some scoring off the bench. And that's why Norm Powell is coming off the bench. So I'll be curious to see what Ty does because he even made a switch this past game where he had Harden come out after the first five minutes where previously he and Kawhi played the entire first quarter, and it was PG and Westbrook that would go out. Westbrook went out for about four or five minutes, and then PG went out about three or four minutes left in the quarter, but it was Harden that did it this time. So he's trying to see whether it makes more sense to pull Westbrook and PG, or rather pull, pardon me, pull PG early and then bring Westbrook uh, early back early on. I think I said Westbrook comes out early. You know what I meant. Either way. PG was coming out, Kawhi was playing the full quarter with Harden. So they're they're still tinkering. And whereas Golden State, I don't know how much there is to tinker with. It's about adding their youth, which is good. You and I were talking about that the other day. Um, or with the Clippers, it's their veterans and can they put together. So I get what you're saying, but I feel like the Clippers have a higher ceiling than Golden State does. And I agree in a vacuum, it's a higher ceiling. And I love the music analogy. In fact, it's music to my ears to hear you say that. But we're talking about these minutes and we're saying if these three guys, speaking of George, Kawhi, and Harden, play well, then the Clippers have a ceiling perhaps greater than the Warriors. And I do agree with that. But to hit that ceiling, they have to push themselves up a mountain that who knows if they can make it you know, up a hill because we haven't seen that as of the past however many years. Not counting Harden, I'm talking about Kawhi and Paul George. So it's it's a really delicate balance, especially the way that the record is now. And that's why I would just wonder, you know, is this level of I, I, I hate I keep calling them the big three, but let's just do that to keep it short. Can they keep this together with 38, 39 minutes, 40, uh, 37 minutes for and most importantly, importantly, Kawhi and Paul George? It's it's going to be it's, it's going to be a very difficult task. And so far, they've shown they, they're no worse for the wear. We were wondering if they were a little tired. Um, especially Kawhi when he was playing kind of poorly, but with with those three being so important and them logging so many minutes, I I do agree that the ceiling is high, but the floor is certainly certainly low if 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 those guys can't oh. make it through through a whole season or 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 a dinged up come playoff time, then it's then it's over. Oh, for sure. I mean, listen, we saw the game against Sacramento um, where they were up by seven, they were up by twenty two at the half. And Kawhi, PG, and Harden were all cooking in that game. The three of them combined were 19 for 32. They were 9 of 13 on threes. They had 52 points. They had more points than Sacramento as a team. The three dudes had more points than Sacramento. And they looked great. And we thought, okay, well, this game's over. And the Clippers are possibly, they possibly figured something out. Then they go, and PG has a terrible game against Golden State. Ty closes the third quarter with Russ, Bones, Harden, Powell, and Kawhi. Like, what the hell is that lineup where your tallest player is Kawhi 
And then he starts the fourth quarter with PG, Russ, Bones, Powell, and Tice. And he just goes desperation with Bones over Kobe Brown, who is now in the rotation instead of PJ Tucker. And it just, like, it, it didn't work. Like, it, there was just so many different things he was trying to tinker with. I think that's the biggest thing that's going to get in their way is that the three guys, if they're playing well together, then they should do well and the Clippers should do well. And they showed that in these three games where they were great against Colton State um, in that last game. And they are great against Sacramento, but they're terrible. Um, one of the three was terrible in that Golden State game, the first Golden State game, and they lost. And so it just shows you that all three most of the time need to be on against good teams. And the th- the other thing is that tie can get in the way. I mean, the in that game against Golden State, that first one, you see the Clippers cut the deficit to five when Terrence Mann got the assignment on Steph with like five minutes left. And then Mann went out to bring PG in while Westbrook stayed on the floor. And so what does that mean? That means that Harden all of a sudden is then stuck on Steph again instead of Mann being stuck on Steph. And the lead goes back to nine. It's like, I just don't understand it that you took the guy out who's going to help you defensively. And so Ty certainly makes these mistakes. I mean, he's done a decent job recognizing that changes need to be made. I mean, they didn't go with that 10-game sample size where Westbrook finally went to the bench after about five games. So that didn't take the whole 10 games. That was great to see. But he still doesn't use Zoo late in games. And he still takes out Team Man when there are times when Team Man needs to be used. So you mentioned the ceiling, and I think that it's, it's twofold. It's the three stars, and it's the coach figuring out what works. And there are a lot of times where I feel like he's not fit. He's not doing the right thing because he's so offensive reliant that you need to get stops, you need to get rebounds, and so there's a tendency to go small and go away from Zoo, and there's a tendency to go away from Terrence Mann because you don't trust him, and that could be to the detriment of the team. But we'll have to see. It certainly can, and I, I'm very happy that you mentioned. I'm not happy that it happened, but I'm happy that you mentioned not going back to Zoo because that's sort of happened over and over again. And yeah, Ty Lu has made some great adjustments, but sometimes not getting a little obsessed with small ball or whatever it is, but not going back to Zoo when when he's obviously a force in the paint. And you know, he's 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 not a terrible offensive player, but he he really solidifies the inside and i know he can get you you know a lot of teams will do a pick will switch like um the, the like the golden state tried to try to get him onto curry like a million times out of a million and back in the day chris paul tried to do it. like they'll try to pull zoo out but at the end of the day he is a a defensive anchor at times and to not go back to him um i think tyloo has missed missed the boat on that a few times yeah, and we'll have to see if that continues to be a thing because it has been the last couple of years. But I feel like Zoo now has earned the trust where he should be coming in. I mean, in that fourth quarter, I was following along, and it was one of those things where it's like, all right, go ahead, bring in your stars. Like, you have a day, you have several days off, not even three days off. It's, I think, four days between games. Like, go ahead, bring back Kawhi, Zoo, and Harden. Like, bring them back onto the floor. And finally, they did come on the floor, and the Clippers won the game. And it's going to be interesting to see how they go from here. But the one thing that you need to know is that this team has the ability to put it together. It's just about night to night, can they shoot well? 
And are they willing to be aggressive? I mean, is Harden willing to be aggressive? Is PG going to have those games where he disappears? Is Kawhi going to be efficient? Like, we know that they're capable. They showed it in two of those three games against Sacramento and Golden State, that when they're efficient, they're going to win games. And it's about getting to your offensive sets quickly, not doing iso ball. And I think what these three games showed us is what, what the Clippers need to do to win. And so the formula is there. It's now just about following it. And not just doing complete iso ball speaks to the usage rate, what I was talking about before, because now these guys have chance chances to get assists to each other, to get to the free throw line, which we know is super important. Um, and I just, I just believe you're right with these three that they have a chance, but it's, it's really going to take, and we always talk about this. It's going to take consistency. It's going to take effort, which, you know, there's no lack of most of the time. Uh, and it's just going to take execution. And that, that speaks to the, the efficiency point that you were talking about. Most definitely. All right. We got some more to talk about, but first let's pay some bills. All right, so here's the thing. The Sacramento game, and you talk about the starters and how much they played. The Sacramento game was really interesting, Matt, because the starters hadn't played a ton of minutes together. I mean, I think coming in, I believe I read the first six games, the starters averaged about 15 minutes together. In that Sacramento game, it was just over 27. And so there's a big thing that goes with that, and that goes with how you started this podcast, with how many minutes they're playing. The starters played about 40 minutes in that game against Sacramento, and they won. The starters then in that game against Golden State that they won on Saturday, again, played major minutes. You mentioned it, but it's just worth repeating again. PG played 38. Kawhi played 38. Harden played 35. Like Those three guys played major minutes, and these are three guys that are old. And so you got to be careful on how much minutes you're putting on them. But the fact that they were able to play that many minutes and that the Clippers were able to get the win is a great sign. But the negative part, and we haven't talked about that as much on this pod, is that you're relying a lot on three guys, like way too much. But I don't know if that's something the Clippers can even overcome. Like, is there, I don't think there's, not overcome, but I don't think there's anything you can do about it because... Daniel Tice is a role player. Kobe Brown is a rookie. And Norman Powell is a scorer. And Westbrook is not the same guy he was before. And Terrence Mann is a guy that's shot of confidence right now, but it's still solid defensively. And Zoo clearly is not a guy that Ty's going to go to a bunch. So this team is three guys and a bunch of pieces around them that need to work together. And I don't think there's anything you can really do about it. Like, I think you're going to have to continue to play these guys major minutes and it's possible that if you don't, you're just going to end up losing games. And that's the big question. Is there a way to balance it where you aren't playing these guys as many major minutes and still getting wins? And we're going to have to find that out pretty soon because I don't know if they I can mean, do the sh- it. Sorry to interrupt. No, go ahead. The, the, sh- the short answer is no. There's, no. there's There's not a way to work around it because you spoke of the two wins and look at the game sandwiched in the middle that the Clippers lost. 37 minutes for Kawhi, 35 Oh, I'm sorry, 37 for Paul George, 35 for, for Kawhi, and 37 for Harden. So again, in those three games, since we've talked in that three-game span, nobody, none of the big three or the three guys have played under 35 minutes. Two wins, one loss. And that just seems like it's 
the way it's going to have to be if the Clippers want to want to pull out these wins. And, you know, we talk about it. We talk about it a bunch about playing from behind the eight ball. But the fact of the matter is the Clippers are nine and ten. They're a game under 500. The Clippers have Denver coming up on Wednesday, which, you know, I unless Reggie Jackson and uh, DeAndre Jordan are starting again, even if they did, we might lose again. So it's going to be really hard to climb up the standings. Now, fortunately for the Clippers, the standings are a little muddled uh, in that even the fourth seed in Sacramento, who who the Clippers beat, are 11 and 7. Fine, that's that's a lot better. But it's not out of the realm of possibilities that the Clippers could get up to that level. But to have these guys play that many minutes on a consistent basis and now have to sort of play catch up, to me, to me, that's the that's the really daunting task because if the Clippers were a game over 500, two games over 500, and just had a little leeway, not to rest on their laurels, but at least to sort of, you know, give Paul George and Kawhi especially a blow every now and then, I'd feel a little bit more comfortable. But it seems like every game now is do or die, and sort of will be going forward, and that I think. To me, that's the toughest part about these guys needing to play all those minutes. And you're right. Russ is now a role player. Norm of, Norm is a role player who can get hot. But it, let's be honest, he's a role player. And Tice as well. Zoo is incredibly important. So is T-Man. But it it's going to boil down to these three guys. And we knew it. But we just wish we were playing from a better place than a game under 500 because it's really going to take a Herculean effort to get into that top six to not be in the play-in again. So rough stuff coming up. Well, and you and I mentioned it a lot last year that it's so important to win these games earlier in the season so you're not putting heavy minutes on these guys later in the year. And instead, heavy minutes are being put on these guys now and they're still under 500. So that could be a problem down the road. I mean, listen, Kawhi and PG are most likely not going to play every single game. Um, That would be unbelievable if they can somehow play 75 or more games together. Right now, they've played every single game together, um, which is incredible. Knock on all the wood you've got, Uh, but it's probably not going to happen. And the more minutes they're playing, the more likely they are to get hurt, you would think. But here's the thing that's funny about this is that you bring in Harden so that you can lessen the load on guys like Paul George and Kawhi. But instead, it's all three needing to play major minutes. And there's got to be a point this season where you scale down the minutes just a couple per game. Like, I mean, Denver, I think Kawhi played 40, 41 minutes. That's a lot, man. And the Clippers, again, are going to have the ability to do that this week because they play Wednesday, Friday, and that's it for the week. So they've got the ability to play major minutes. Like, these are basically playoff games in a way, and that's the way the NBA wanted it to be for the people that made the play-in tournament so that you could play these major minutes and be okay. You only have two games this week, so the Clippers can do it again, and Denver's going to be an important one. I wouldn't be surprised to see Kawhi, PG, and Harden play 38 minutes or more again in that game. Um, But they're going to have to find a way to lessen the load on these dudes. But what we're seeing with these guys is that their best lineups are coming when the three of them are on the floor, and they've just got to figure out a way to not get crushed in those other 10 to 15 minutes. And that's going to be the important part. And that's the biggest thing for Ty is figuring out those rotations and figuring out what works. Because if he's able to figure out what works and he's able to separate Harden, Kawhi, PG, whoever it takes that needs to be separated and can work well with the other dudes, then that's the recipe for success. 
and are we we may be glossing over the fact that the starting five since Terrence Mann has entered the lineup has been absolutely awesome, right? Yeah. Like their net rating, their uh, they've been great. But I I'm curious if 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 there's a little bit of a bench problem only because we are relying on these three guys so much that the starting five being so good and, and, and there's some sort of drop off that needs to be addressed, be it probably not in rotation because we've seen a lot of, I mean, I, I like Kobe Brown being in there over PJ Tucker and that may flip flop or, or whatever the case may be. But I'm, I, I just still think if the Clippers can, maybe another move is to be made and maybe not on the level of trading Westbrook or doing something so dramatic like that, but you know, packaging in a mirror, a BBJ, something to just kind of bolster that that second unit. And of course, we know Plumlee's going to come come back at some point. But that starting lineup has been so good. But like you said, in the last, you know, uh, Kawhi is I think he's averaging about thirty four minutes a game over the season. But I'm, I have to imagine it's 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 been above that recently, and and will probably continue to do so if the Clippers want to continue continue winning. So. I'm curious if something needs to be done just on the edges around that bench to sort of give, make sure these guys can get some rest. So come playoff time, they're just not, you know, beaten into the ground, ground to dust. Yeah. In these nine games, the Clippers obviously have a six and three record. I think their plus minus is close to plus 50. Um, I believe it's plus 47 is what I read. So that's pretty good. Um, I mean, for the sorry, starting lineup. Sorry, actually, Clippers are six and three, and they're a plus forty-seven total. The starting unit is a plus sixty-six in those nine games. So that means that the other bench lineups are a minus nineteen. I think I read that Lucas Hahn um, tweeted that actually just about thirteen minutes ago. Actually, so thank you for that, Lucas. Um, does a great job with two on three hoops, and check out the Law of the Jam podcast. They do a fantastic job, um, and the Clips and Dip podcast as well. The great part of the two on three hoops network. Um, so yeah, I mean, listen, so basically what's that, what that's saying is that we know what we've been saying. The starters are great. It's just the bench has been a minus, not a huge minus though. But the thing is, is that when these teams are so equal in the NBA, that just a little bit of a minus can be the difference. And when you go and have a five minute spurt where you're outscored and then you combine that with Kawhi being ineffective or PG being terrible, you're going to lose games. So it's pretty much, you can look at a box score and you could probably tell if the Clippers won or lost. Like if you were to show me that box score from that first goal and state game, I would have said, all right, they probably lost. You saw how poorly PG shot the second game. I would say, yeah, they probably won all those guys shot over 50%. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they, they probably won. And so that was the case. So we'll probably have an idea just based on how Kawhi PG and Harden do. I mean, it's not rocket science, um, how the Clippers are going to perform. So we'll see what they do against Denver. I mean, Denver's obviously going to be a tough test. You, you just got your ass kicked by Reggie Jackson and DeAndre Jordan. Like, Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray, if he plays, he's battling an ankle sprain. Um, they're going to be a tougher test than freaking DeAndre Jordan and Reggie Jackson. So let's look ahead to those games. Unless you've got anything else you want to say um, about these three games the Clippers just played, where they looked great against Sacramento, looked really bad against Golden State, and then looked really good in the second half um, against the uh, Warriors. Well, I just want to compliment you again and say it's a really great point that you made about kind of parity between the teams. And it's kind of what I was saying that 
a lot of these advantages are going to be around the edges because if Kawhi, who's still one of the greatest players in the game, Paul George, who was having an MVP type season and still having a great season and James Harden, we know what he can do. It's going to be those things around the edges that sort of can propel the Clippers to a level that will be championship caliber. So just, just a great point that with, with a lot of these teams that are sort of similar, not maybe not stylistically, but at least in sort of their ceiling or, or, or how how they can get to a championship level, it's it's going to be those things around the edges, the Zubats, the the Mans, of course, but then that bench unit as well. What what the Clippers and Ty Lue and Lawrence Frank can do, up and up and until and after the trade deadline to sort of see where any any advantage can be gained. Yeah, and you mentioned earlier. I mean, getting Plumlee back back will certainly help as well. Um, so we'll see how the Clippers look um, with with Plumlee in that lineup. So it'll be interesting, no doubt about that. Let's look ahead to those these two games coming up where the Clippers, mm-hmm. of course, got paired with Denver. I mean, come on. The NBA just does not like the Clippers. I mean, you have all these five and sevens, you have back-to-backs, and then you go ahead and the Clippers then get Denver in the freaking tournament. And then you combine that with the Blazers um, at L.A. on front. Uh, no, sorry, pardon me, the Jazz. Um, where the Clippers are on the rose. The Blazers is actually the following Monday. So you get the Nuggets and the Jazz. Nuggets are at home. Uh, I'm not sure how much of a difference that's going to make. And then the Jazz is a tough game in altitude. So thank you very much, NBA. Um, what are you looking for in that game against the Nuggets? Because I think, if I had to guess, you're probably looking for the Clippers to come out strong in the first quarter um, and set the tempo. Um, I, I, I'm looking for... Harden to be aggressive from the jump. I think the Clippers are a better team when Harden's aggressive. And we saw in the first half where he was not aggressive at all against Golden State on Saturday. And then he put on the aggressive hat in the second half and the Clippers won the game. So that's what I'm looking for is for Harden to be aggressive. What about you? I want aggressiveness and I want aggressive defense. Like what I thought was going to be, I remember previewing the last Nuggets game and I had no idea that that it was going to be the Reggie Jackson DeAndre Jordan show and I want aggressive defense. I want switching. I I, I want I want to see what's what what Zoo's gonna do, but especially I just I, I just want to see everybody sort of have a purpose on defense, play on a string, and just not let don't get pick and rolled to death. Don't fall asleep on switches. Don't leave any don't leave Michael Porter Jr. open. He sucked from shooting last time and the Clippers still lost. Don't leave people open. Really pay, play on a string and pay attention on defense. I'm going to be watching very closely on on the defensive end uh, versus the Nuggets, and I I really want aggressiveness on both ends, though, from Harden and from everybody. Come out with a purpose and keep that purpose for 48 minutes and win this game. And let's not discount the fact that the Clippers have several days off between games. So they played on Saturday. They're not playing again until Wednesday. So Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, you're going to have three practice days. Don't discount how important that could be in terms of figuring out rotations and figuring out the chemistry between these guys. Like they've only played nine games together. Three practice days is the most practice they've had together in a while. So that should be really important. And you know, they're going to do whatever they can to beat Denver after getting embarrassed against them. I mean, the first game, at Denver was close. They lost by three, but then they lost by nine at home against a team that didn't have Jokic and was basically reliant on Reggie Jackson and DeAndre Jordan. So 
I'm looking for this team to come out competitive. And what's interesting about this Clippers team is that they do tend to play down to their competition and play up to good competition. So I think the Clippers should come out pretty strong in that game and actually give us a competitive ball game. But I'm just not sure if they're going to do enough to beat them. The one thing, apart from Harden, that I'm going to keep an eye on is that big man pick and roll at the top of the key because the Clippers Mm -hmm. got owned by Reggie Jackson and DeAndre Jordan, setting the high screen, making Zoo come up, and then either Zoo got blown past because he was already out of the key, and so they just went and attacked him with Reggie Jackson going to the hoop, or they just had Zoo drop off and Reggie Jackson had these open jumpers, and they got the switch they wanted where Harden came off. So that'll be the thing I'm working on, I'm looking at, is can they figure out a way to stop the pick and roll? Because if they can't, they're going to continue to get crushed. And guess what? Jokic is a better passer than DeAndre Jordan. So it'll be even uglier. So I think that's the other thing I'm keeping an eye on in that game. Absolutely. And just just three immediate thoughts from what you said. One, are you are we sure that Jokic is a better passer than DeAndre Jordan? We'll we'll have to put that to the uh, to the listeners. I, I'm, I'm I'm not quite sure. Number two, um, James Harden. I don't know this for a fact, but I think by osmosis may have been celebrating my mom's birthday today. So let's give him today off. But he has two days to recover (laughs) before Wednesday to play well against the Nuggets. And number three, you said that the Clippers and and we you and I have lamented about this now for a while play down to their competition and up to their competition. I don't think that is a quality of a team that can win a championship. That is something if that is still the case, it has to be changed. Good point. Really good point, and we'll see what happens um, if they're able to do it against Denver and Utah. We're going to try and get a podcast out to you on Thursday um, in between the Denver and Utah games because uh, the Clippers obviously have a day off on Thursday, Um, and then we'll have another podcast for you next Sunday uh, to preview the week ahead where the Clippers will have Portland and Sacramento on a back-to-back, and then they'll have Golden State again on that Thursday, and then they'll have the Knicks on Saturday. So we'll look ahead to those four games as well, but... Yeah, Denver's going to be an interesting one, and we'll see if the Clippers are able to build upon that game from yesterday because we saw two different teams. We saw the Clippers be terrible in the first half and not efficient and didn't play good defense, and guys like Draymond Green hit threes, which really you can't do much about. You're fine. If that happens, it happens. And in the second half, it was a different team. So which team comes out against the Denver Nuggets? And are the Clippers able to stop that high pick and roll? And are they able to get James Harden, Kawhi, and PG efficient? And aggressive, certainly something we're going to be keeping an eye on. So, we said a couple of days ago the Clippers had a chance to be 500 when we came into this podcast, and that's not the case, Matt. Um, so, are the Clippers going to be 500 when we come and do this podcast again? Because right now, those Los Angeles Clippers are sitting at nine and ten. Are the Clippers going to be 500 when we record that podcast on Thursday? Or if we record that podcast on Sunday, are they going to be above 500? What do we think? I'm going to give it a very strong 500% chance that they are 500 after this game. You're calling your shot. I think that they they can beat Denver. I think it can be done. I worry about the amount of rest that Denver is getting too because they need it as well with guys like Jokic and Murray Hurt. Um, Aaron Gordon, we'll see if he suits up because he's been out the last couple of games. I think it really depends on who's on the floor. But I do too. That, but that you being, know what it is, Brandon? Go ahead. It's, 
you know what it is? I think, and, and I think you kind of hit the nail on the head here, though. To be honest, and no, all jokes aside, I think if the Clippers come out strong and really just kind of exercise their will and play with purpose and execution in that first quarter and, and especially in that first half and get some momentum behind them, especially at home against the Nuggets, I think that's the way that they win that game. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I really think there's a path there to win the game. Um, we'll just see if the Clippers are up to it or if they look like two teams that have had a lot of time off and they look rusty. So that first quarter is going to tell us a lot. It's going to tell us a lot about the three stars, and it's going to tell us a lot just about both teams and how they're playing. So it should be interesting. But listen, the Clippers got two of three. Um, that game that against Golden State was certainly a schedule loss. Um, it was the second game of a back-to-back. So listen, you beat Sacramento, you crushed them. Uh, it was unlikely that you're going to win at Golden State the next night. Um, it's just the Clippers didn't look good in certain ways, and that was kind of worrisome. But I, I said to you, it was a schedule loss. Like I, I was anticipating them losing that game. I thought they were going to win the game yesterday, and it looked like they weren't going to. But the fact that they came up with a W is all that matters. Um, it just counts as, like, as a win the same at the end of the day. And so good for the Clippers winning two of three, and now we'll see what they can do against Denver and then against Utah. So any final last words? Uh, just a quick question because I know we brought this up on a previous podcast and I was a little worried about it, especially after the, the Warriors loss. What, where are we at on a vibes check for mm. this one right now? Are, are we, are we good? Are we iffy? Are we, what's going on? I think we're iffy. Um, and uh, it's funny. Cause I was going to say on the last podcast, we talked about how great the vibes were and then the Clippers go and just completely shit the bed um, in that game that we talked about after that Denver contest. Um, but I, I think the vibes are much better than they were a couple of days ago um, when they lost to Denver um, and they lost to Golden State the first time. But I think winning a game like that, coming back, I think the vibes are certainly better, but I think that they're still not completely quite where they need to be. So I would say the vibes on a scale of one to 10 are about a six, six and a half. I, I can agree with that, but, you go ahead and beat the Nuggets on Wednesday, and those yeah. vibes are going to be mountain high. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And if you can follow that up, especially with a win against Utah, then you're in really good shape, and all of a sudden you're cooking with gas, and you, you figured out how to how to solve the Rubik's Cube. And perhaps that means that the light at the end of the tunnel is certainly right there, and you have a chance to uh, get back right into the playoff picture. So we'll see what happens um, in this game against Denver. So, of course, you can always follow us on Twitter, at Marcus for myself, at Matt Matawarren. Of course, Ethos Clippers podcast is on Twitter as well. We always tweet the podcast from there. If you can give us a five-star rating, review the podcast as well. It always helps the podcast grow. Thank you to you, the loyal listener, for always sticking with us through thick and thin. Until next time, he's Matt. I'm Brandon. And go Clips. Go Clips. Go Clips.